If you're the type of person that finds yourself worrying quite a bit about things like robots and artificial intelligence replacing humans, uh, sort of turning us into just more and more mincemeat underneath the grinding wheels of technology, if you will, if that helps you. I might point you in the direction of the 2021 Atlantic League season if you'd like to see maybe a glimmer of hope for the way that, you know, possibly might turn out. Uh, and that, you know, maybe people aren't so replaceable, and at least not all of us. Because if you don't know, if you don't know why we're talking about this, Buster only tweeted out on Thursday night. And of course it was Thursday because I was about to record this episode. Now I'm recording on Friday, which is a headache for many, many issues. But I know it's not about me, so we're going to move right along. Uh, but he tweeted out that all the uh, the AAA leagues in minor league baseball, the two AAA leagues, would be using uh, a form of RoboZone, which we'll get into what that means in a second. But that immediately conjured up a lot of feelings and a lot of memories uh, that we can't forget from the Atlantic League RoboZone era. And uh, artificial or auto, artificial automatic balls and strikes, as it, it uh, is officially known. Uh, came to the league in 2019 at the All-Star Game. People t- kind of tend to forget it because it was pre-COVID, but the RoboZone was there before. And immediately it was a garbage fire. And it did not clean itself up all the way through 2021. It just got, in many ways, it got worse. It was really exposed. It was, it was tough. Uh, to, to sort of quickly walk back through what went down, the immediate thing that was found was pitchers could dominate on the RoboZone because... You start to think of weird things like things you don't think about. What's the shape of the strike zone? And your automatic response is, well, it's like kind of a rectangle, you know, uh, from the top and bottom limitations to the 18 inch width of the plate. It's like, OK, but really it's, you know, what about where the ball crosses that line? You know, we, we know the box that kind of sits over home. But like, what if that ball crosses the strike zone only, you know? halfway past the batter or halfway across home plate. So immediately there were a lot of things you don't think about because it was using the technical strike zone to call balls and strikes, which allows for a lot of strangeness. All the ball had to do was touch the zone a little bit. And the zone was in ways bigger than we would think, because if you're a batter, you're at the back of the batter's box. Imagine yourself as the batter, you're in the batter's box, you're at the back end of it. Home plate is almost entirely in front of you. Now, what constitutes the outside corner, low outside corner, that's a long way away. Now that's not an issue when it's a pitch that, you know, has to go all the way across the plate like a fastball. But if you throw like a diving breaking ball, it can technically we found, and pitchers very quickly found, because they're quick learners, don't let them fool you, that a breaking ball can clip that front corner just ever so slightly, the very front edge, the front black of home plate, the bottom left corner of the strike zone, and dive. That thing can hit the dirt by the time the catcher gets it, and it's a strike. Technically, it's a strike, and let's acknowledge that. Okay, technically, it's a strike. But practically, can it be hit? Because the thing about a strike zone is it's pitches that can be hit. No, no, it could not. We saw it all the time, and the alternative was step up in the box, and okay, now what are you doing with the fastball? So it got bad quick. Uh, that prompted some sort of redesigning of the strike zone, sort of making a, a more optimized version of it, one that can work better with what we've got going on here. Now, once that was shored up and there's sort of some harder boundaries figured out, so sort of take the edge off, sort of nerfed it against the pitchers, if you will, 
we had the 2021 season. And if you don't remember the 2021 Atlantic League season, there was a ton of offense. Some of it was, yeah, pitching wasn't easy to come by, uh, post-pandemic chaos. But a lot of it was there were so many walks. And not all of that could be pinned on pitching. For one, we had lots of walks because the zone was so tight. And then what would result was, okay, so I don't want to walk this guy. Really got to throw one over the plate to get a call to strike, which causes you to throw one right into the barrel so often. So now you have to choose between likely walking guys or likely getting balls pretty squared up if you're having a bad day and you're not you know, the best of the best in the league. Not great for the squad. Not a great product, by the way. You're like, oh, sweet, offensive baseball. Nope, nope. Games were like four hours that year. It was brutal. So basically, things had gone from bad to worse. Um, and that's sort of where it stayed, really, being honest about it. Um, th- there was the added mess of sometimes it would glitch and the umpire would have the, the earpiece in and would say, like, ball or strike. And he wouldn't think that. But so many weird calls had been made already by the RoboZone that you kind of just go, yeah, strike? Or yeah, ball? And just roll with it, and everyone looks at you. But, I mean, you could see it online if you're tracking the game. It's a strike or it's a ball, and it was called wrong. So there were so many issues. There were so many inconsistencies. And if I were to get in every individual instant, but it was pretty wild. Now we are still messing with it. And... My thoughts on this before we move on, because it isn't technically indie ball talk, but it is talk about like the purpose of indie ball and something that drives me pretty crazy here. Because again, messing with indie ball, messing with the rules, adjusting all these things is to, you know, better baseball or whatever. And I can get on board with that because I'm first and foremost a baseball fan. And I want good things for the sport. But it drives you a little bit crazy because only half are using the zone as the Atlantic League used it or some form of the, the zone as they likely use. I'm sure they've shifted it further and you know messed again with what's a ball and what's a strike, which is fine. But half the league is going to use the challenge system. And if you don't know the challenge system, it is, by all accounts, spectacular. Basically, all pitches, like in tennis, like a, a ball in tennis, are it's being tracked. And if a call is made by the umpire on the field, the home plate up, and the batter disagrees. I believe it's the batter, the catcher, or the pitcher are the three. That call can be challenged, but it can only be challenged a limited number of times per game. And they'll go up to the booth very quickly, like immediately. All right, challenge is activated. It will go to the scoreboard. That's where I saw it. I mean, that was I think it was a fall league game where I saw that. So who knows? Because that's at MLB Park. Um, but at its best, it's up to the video board. And it will show like the virtual version of the pitch coming in and whether or not it clips the zone. And it has that like energy of tennis where they replay whether the shot is in or out. And it's like gets people hype. It's very, it grows some tension. I saw one where the game ended on one and it was pretty, and it had the vibe of a walk off because of the anticipation of the, oh, it was a strike and everyone lost it. Um, that has been great. It, there's there is a lingering question which you know you can argue on your own of which one changes the game more if you're a purist i mean does adding more challenges change the game more that adds a whole different strategy and component but challenges already do exist on other types of plays you could also argue you know the the zone is the zone it's always been the zone we're actually using robo zone just enforcing that but involving Taking, I guess taking would be the better word, taking the human element completely out of balls and strikes, I would argue would be changing the game even further than just putting a challenge system in 
in a different place in the game than we already have it. So those are the two sides there. But where my frustration comes in, to summarize this, because we've gone longer than I wanted to already on this, and we have an interview to get to, uh, is the fact that when we're sold these weird ideas to test out an ball, it's because MLB wants to, to try it. And that is what they did. They learned lessons, I'm sure. But anyone who was there can tell you this was a bad idea. So why is it that we are still testing a bad idea? Unless the Atlantic League, I guess, wasn't good enough to test it in fully. Um, it makes me wonder what that was all for, uh, especially because I bet it's going to be a garbage fire again. I've heard from the te- leagues that used it this year was also a garbage fire, so not really like they've improved much. But it also annoys me a little bit when it comes to things like, okay, the challenge system is cool, but the Langley did get to test the challenge system. Maybe it was offered to them. I don't know. Maybe because they didn't use the, the zone this year, so maybe they said, no, that's enough of that. But it's just like... I can tell you what the better vibe is. Anyone who's seen both can tell you what the better one is. And it's sort of frustrating just to see that the biggest test that the leagues have had thus far um, seems to be the strike zone and seems to have been just to prove that one sucks and we're still going to try it anyway. And that's what frustrates me. Uh, To to close this out, summarizing my thoughts, Meg Rowley from uh, Fangraphs had a great back-to-back tweet that I reposted, but she says it, very succinctly. So if you're wondering still what kind of the difference is, the challenge system, efficient, beautiful, inspired, the full robo zone, cold, destined to make fans angry in a new, different way, here to kill John Connor. And that is, yeah. And she added, having witnessed the challenge system back in Fall League, it was quick and took care of ma- uh, bad misses. It adds a new strategic wrinkle without presenting a wildly different zone that the one than the one fans are used to, which, boy, if you think you're not going to be peeved at the strike zone anymore... And y'all, if you want to get rid of the frustration with the strike zone, I will tell you now, the robo zone is not your move. The challenge system is probably your move. Anyway, let's move right along because we can't just, I, I can't keep talking about the robo zone. I spent a lot of 2021 talking about robo zone. I just I can't do it anymore. There was a Lancaster saga, that game that had like 30 something walks. Turns out it wasn't calibrated right, but nobody wanted to acknowledge that. But I knew that and I knew the guy who knew that. Don't get me started. There was a conspiracy cover-up. We'll talk about that later another time. We'll just talk about indie ball cover-ups a whole episode. Put on tinfoil hats and get weird. I'm glad we talked about the Atlantic League, though, because I really got nothing else, because they still aren't posting their transactions or publicizing them. Gastonia had three this week. Um, I sort of tweeted about them. Uh, I think I referenced them already, too, so I'm just going to keep it moving. But that's the Atlantic League for you. Good job. To the Frontier League. Yes, the Frontier League. I switched up this time. I'm going to go Frontier League, and then I'm going to go American Association. The Evansville Otters, they made some signings. They signed outfielders Jeffrey Baez and Noah Myers, and they released catchers, uh, catcher John Anthon and infielder Tanner Craig. Uh, Jeffrey Baez returns for his third season with Evansville. In his 104 games with the Otters, he has slashed 261, 334, and 566. Good for a 125 OPS plus and 4.8 war over that time. Very nicely done. Now, much of that success is from his 22-game uh, stint with Evansville in 2021. And you might be thinking, like, man, like, just 22 games out of 104. Like, how is a lot of his success from that? Well, you should see the numbers he put up. They were pretty wild. They were enough to weigh that 125 OPS pretty nicely. But uh, he projects to bounce back after a tough 2022 season, but not quite to that 2021 level. Uh, and he will be filling a classified or a veteran classified spot on that roster. If you know, want to know what that means, check back to the last episode where we talked about what the different roster rules are in different leagues. And uh, hopefully that'll help you out. Uh, on the other side, Noah Myers, he's fresh out of college. He's looking at a rookie spot, so that's nicely done. Uh, he, it's always good to get a, a solid rookie, especially out of some a good college program. And he is very interesting because he had a, a great start to his 2020 season at South Carolina pre-COVID, but then struggled in 2021. 
He bounced back last season, but he did so in the Big South with USC Upstate rather than with South Carolina in the SEC. Uh, so he's a bit of a mixed bag. Not really sure what to make of him. Projections put him at just below league average uh, offensively. I think that would be a good start for him in the league. Uh, he has the potential to actually be an above average weapon in the lineup, but his lowest end projections are brutal. I'll tell you that much. So uh, at some point I'll get to a point where my YouTube viewers will be able to see the projections, but I mean, I got to go one graphic at a time here. So, uh, but if you really like the projections, we're going to do a whole projections breakdown at some point and talk about every team and all their, their projected starters and what they're looking at. So projecting projections of projections that we're going to deal with. But again, that's going to be someone to keep a look, uh, keep an eye on in Evansville because he could go very well or very poorly or somewhere in between, probably going to be somewhere in between, but uh, a, a good sort of first year guy to grab for as a flyer in the Frontier League. So you like to see that early on from Evansville. In an additional different, I'm going to call it different move, Rick Corty was added by the Otters. He's a retired CEO turned motivational speaker who's going to be on the coaching staff. Uh, it, from the press release about it, it says, uh, Cordy, and I think it's Cordy, sorry if I'm wrong on that one, but Cordy will serve as a character coach, helping players and coaches set personal goals and become better men, both on and off the baseball field. It continued to say another part of Cordy's role will be to assist players and coaches who want professional advice when preparing to enter the workforce, whether that be for a job in the offseason or for their post-playing careers. I don't know what to think of that. I don't know. I'm just bringing it to you. I don't know. I want I want to make fun of it. For sure, I want to make fun of it. I want to make fun of it so bad. Bro, you got a motivational speaker on your coaching staff with what would appear to be no baseball experience just to, it seems like rich friend of owner gets job. That's the vibe I get. And he's preparing you for life after baseball, like just fully skipping on the whole maybe I'll make the show thing. Bad vibe. Bad vibe in Evansville. But he's probably a nice guy. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I hope it's good. I hope it's... And and on on it, too, I, I don't hate it. Like, I hold two thoughts on this. One is, what are we doing? The whole thought process I just went through just rambled on. The other one, though, is... I mean, yeah, probably a good idea. Probably a good idea to have someone who, like, helps boys become men. And <laughs> not like that. Uh, boys become, you know, adults. And um, also, you know, people who aren't going... Who, who, you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to, all right, a lot of these guys ain't going to the show, duh. So it is good to prepare them for after and help them, you know, with being a professional beyond the baseball field. But I don't know, it feels weird. So I'd love to know your thoughts, comment that. I don't know what to think about it uh, or tweet at me, whatever. You can find me a multitude of ways. Moving right along to Three Rivers. And yes, I said in English, come and do something about it, eh? Uh, they added catcher Oscar Hernandez, not the former major leaguer. I would assume, I mean, I don't have any hard proof of that, but like, let's be real. Um, and outfielder Rodrigo Oroxa, Oroxa is O-R-O-C-Z-O. That's my attempt. Neither of them appear to have professional experience, so they'll be rookies on the roster. The New Jersey Jackals added catchers Arusbear Estrada, former legend. He has the PJ Phillips connection there. And Isaias Aquirzo, Q-U-I-R-O-Z. Man, tough day for the names with me. Uh, I think they already had at least two catchers on the roster, uh, unless I missed their release at some point, but I think so. Now, I'm not sure of the plan there. Actually, I think it, they did initially pick up the contracts and extend the contracts of three catchers, so who knows what's going on with this roster at this point in time. But yeah, two signed. I don't have projections on them yet, but something to keep an eye on. The Jackals also signed Roniel Rhodes. My God, what's going on today? R-O-N-I-E-L-R-A-U-D-E-S. I want to say Roniel Rhodes. 
And that's what we're going to roll with until I'm corrected. He pitched tremendously that season out of the York bullpen. Uh, Enough that you'd think I'd know since I was covering the league, but the league was busy last year. So I'm just one man. I'm trying my best. He made like a a dozen maybe appearances. Don't get on me about it. Uh, But he pitched really well. That's a good pickup for uh, the Jackals. So good for them. The Windy City Thunderbolts signed infielder Carson Matthews and lefty Adrian Reese. Uh, Windy City also traded infielder Peyton Robertson to the Pioneer League's Northern Colorado Owls for a player to be named later, so we'll watch for the second half of that deal to come through sometime in the next 70 years. The Quebec Capitales, I tried my best, signed reliever Franklin Hernandez. That's an easy name. I appreciate that. The Schaumburg Boomers signed reliever Luis Perez to an extension and released outfielder Clint Hardy. Over in the American Association, the Lincoln Salt Dogs signed catcher Luke Roscom and reliever Carson Lance. Gary South Shore signed reliever Matt Leon. He looked great with the Boulders, by the way, in the Frontier League last season. He can touch the mid-90s, so that's exciting. The Sioux Falls Canaries will bring back utility guy Mike Hart. After four seasons with Sioux Falls, Mike appeared in the Atlantic League and American last year. He did have an injury problem. I think he was with, once I guess, Estonia. could be off on that one. But, um, yeah, he had an injury problem, bounced to the American Association later in the season. Wasn't a great year for him, so I'm sure he's back. He's happy to be back in Sioux Falls to an extent. I'm sure they're happy to have him. Fargo Moorhead signed reliever Eric uh, Azerski. I just remember him from the Black Sox with uh, Joe Torre and them, but I think he was pitching pretty well. I think he threw a no-hitter for them, actually, now that I think about it. So how about that? So maybe a good get there by Fargo. And they also signed catcher Ben Lavorsi. Lavorsi saw action in 35 games last season after leaving Minnesota State. He played tremendously. He slashed 340, 443, 524 to the tune of a 152 OPS plus super gross go off young buck but even the high-end projections this time have him falling back to earth a bit we're talking about a guy he hit like 245 244 throughout college I mean after the stint that he had with the Red Hawks last season you have to take a shot if you're Fargo Martin you have to bring him back have to see what he's got long term but he played like 30 something games um you gotta take a shot he's an LS1 roster spot so you can use them. It's a good use of it. Bring back a guy who's had a lot of success, but I just think it would be ill-advised to expect the same level of success from him uh, over the long term here this season. But who knows? Maybe he's made some adjustments, and that's just who he is now, and he's a guy who rakes, and we'll never see him again after one month in, uh, into the season because he gets signed by somebody. Uh, lastly, I got the Lake Country Dockhounds signing outfielder Casey Dykstra. I could not track down whether he is a Dykstra family member. There's a lot of them bouncing around, so it's always tough to figure out. I think Southern Maryland had one who was a hitter, and he was a pitcher. One of those. So T's and P's to the Dykstra boys because that's got to be a tough pull. Um, I'm sure it's not you know, always weird attention coming from dad. Um, over to the Pioneer League, the Boise Hawks signed infielder Cole Kaler. The Great Falls Voyagers signed Brant Brown. He's a pitcher. And the Ogden Raptors signed a utility guy, Brandon Crosby. Crosby came straight from the NAIA Warner Southern uh, to the Northern Colorado Owls last season, where he had made like an immediate impact. Uh, it was good, really good line, 302, 378, 519 with 11 homers. Now, he doesn't have a long, just like, uh, what's, uh, I'm already going to what's-his-face him, uh, Lavorsi, just like Lavorsi. He doesn't have a long track record of hitting like that. So I do, again, doubt that he's going to reach quite that level this season, but projections do think his numbers will be good. Uh, you know, in the Pioneer League, though, that could still leave him below average because the Pioneer League is such an offensive run environment. He will be something to keep an eye on. I do think it's a good add by Ogden at this point. A little interesting to see that he did not stay, actually, uh, with Northern Colorado. Still a solid high potential signing for Ogden, though. Since we're talking about the Northern Colorado Owls, we might as well mention they did fill their coaching vacancy. They signed manager 
um, Frank Gonzalez. Gonzalez joins the Owls after eight seasons in the Colorado Rockies organization. Just some notes on him. This will be his fourth as a manager, third as manager in the Pioneer League. He skippered the Grand Junction Rockies from 2016 to 2017 and the Boise Hawks then of the Northwest League in 2015. So he managed a current Pioneer League team before they were in the Pioneer League, and he managed a current Pioneer League team when they were in the Pioneer League, not Indie Ball. So, you know, loose connection. But yeah, I see it. Experienced manager, that's a good thing. Uh, experience with that age, too. Um, but yeah, it's good to see. Yeah, should be good. Should be fine. I don't have a lot of thoughts on that, if I'm being honest with you. I think Northern Colorado has bigger issues as, as an organization. So, huh, we'll see. Without dragging this out any further, it's time to get to our interview. Uh, today, I am talking to a man who is from a podcast that predates this podcast by a long time. It predates AOPB Roundup by a long time. When I started AOPB Roundup, I went, hey, who's in this industry already? Who is competition? Who is inspiration? Who is the model for what I should be doing here? And I found in right in that place, I found Indie Ball Report. And luckily, I never had to compete with them because they have been great to me. They've been taking care of, uh, you know, trading information back and forth. What do you know about this? You know, what can we help you with? It's been a very good relationship to have. Uh, I have coming on here one of the nicest people around Indie Ball, someone who has interviewed some of the biggest names in Indie Ball, someone who originally was going to start an AAF podcast, if I can remind you, but luckily for us, he did not. This is Nick Firestone on Indie Ball Nation. All right, let's do this again. All right, I am here. I'm talking to Nick Firestone. This is absolutely my first time introducing you and not my second. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I feel like I'm Bill Belichick with a coaching tree here. Only I have Matt Patricia on the other end, so you know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I did start this channel sort of uh, inspired by you guys. I started, well, ALPB Roundup was really what it was. And then I was like, wonder what happens if I do this. I thought, I, uh, I mean, poor Will with ALPB News. I mean. Oh, he got God. busy, but I was I thought it was so creative doing ALPB Roundup. And two months later, I found that some some guy was running ALPB News, and I felt like such a jerk. Yeah, a college student be out to him. And then here's the thing, too. What I found to be very successful is I just take people that are better at my job than me, and I try and fold them in so that way I look better. So far, it's working really good. I mean, the solo show thing for me has been a bold strategy because I have no fallback and no one to blame. So... It'll go off the rails soon enough. So that's why I said immediately, don't view me as competition because the, yeah. the the writing is on the wall for this for sure. I'll be probably banned from YouTube before too long. It's not but, enough of us for there actually be competition. There's like, what, five major players in this space? Yeah, it's a rising tide situation, I think. Exactly. So, you know, 100% is, so. One of us succeeds, all of us succeeds. It's not like there's a just everyone's drowning in indie ball content. I mean, really? You mean to tell me there's not like a whole MLB network show dedicated to this? Which they're... I've been lying. That's a different conversation because I got thoughts watching Wrexham and uh, yeah. that that show. I was like, they could totally do something with indie ball in this vibe. Like, I know they've done like the one show with uh, Wally Backman getting booted, like whatever that was, yeah. that like one random league. And then there was a Pecos League one too at one point. But oh. I don't know. I feel like the right like owner and the right team, I think, could be interesting. But neither here nor there, I guess. Uh, that's <laughs> I'm just pre- just screaming into the void and seeing what happens. But. That's what That's, this is for, though. You isn't that podcaster for just yelling into a void? If not, for, if for nothing else, just <laughs> screaming in the void and then just quiet crying. It's 
exactly. See, it's a replacement for therapy when you get down to it. Yeah, it's healthy. I think exactly. it's fine. It's healthy and cheaper. So I, I don't really... see a single red flag there, Nick. Hey, uh, if you're colorblind, I, there's no red flags. Oh, man. Get out there. Hey, I don't know where to put that in the Twitter bio, but I'll have to find a spot. The uh, how did you end up starting Indie Ball Report, man? I, I think I've heard a bit of it, and it seemed like a really fascinating way to end up at something because this wasn't really like the big picture concept for you, right? Uh, yes and no. Like, admittedly, I've wanted to do a podcast for a while, which is probably the whitest thing I could ever say. But <laughs> at the same point in time, like, I tried to find a bunch of different things here to do it, and eventually, I wound up starting on a comm degree, and one of the courses they had because I wound up kind of, the school I went to, because I was going from community college to a four-year, I got in kind of late, so I kind of got like the scraps of a course. So that first semester was just a lot of in-major stuff, because I got all the other stuff out of the way. And one of the few things they had was radio broadcasting and podcasting, so I was like, oh, awesome, taking it. And over the summer, I tried to like record some things that were just general sport, but it just, it wasn't working. So then after I finished the course, I was like, you know what? I actually want to do this. I have a board. Let me try and figure it out. And what I came down to was like three options. One was just like general hockey, but I was like, that is way too filled. Mm -hmm. While I would enjoy talking about it, I'm not going to make any headway in it. Now I'm going to try attempt it. I like the like the little shimmer there. It's good. Hey man, I'm I was no. like just realizing as we sailed in here, I was like, this is not where I want to be sitting for this. So for anybody yeah. watching on YouTube right now, that was a garbage fire. And I'm sure it's even worse if you're only listening, but it's okay. Oh, Nick, not Southern Nick Maryland back to you. All right. You're not on fire. <laughs> I'm, I'm not lighting anything on fire over here, and that's key. I'm gonna start a new fight. I'm gonna yeah. have to edit that. Uh, but uh yeah, any case. So yeah, so it was either hockey, then I briefly thought about doing like remember the AAF that's spring football. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I briefly thought about doing that because I like I don't want to say like I know one of the coaches, but like Tim Lewis, I've like interacted with before and I he's a nice guy. So I was like, oh, I'll talk about that. You know, it's interesting. And then like it died like what three months into its season, if that. Yep. So once that died, I was like, well, I made the right decision there. So what was left as a process of elimination was just kind of like oh, independent ball. And I figured I go to enough games and whatnot. I know enough about baseball. I could figure it out. So by process of elimination, it's like no one's here. I'll I'll do indie balls. That's kind of how we came up with it, and then uh, been running since 2019. Yeah, 2019 sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I stuck. That's why I registered like all the domains and everything in 18. Because I got the board at the end of 18, and then started in the end of January of 19. Because I remember the first like. Because the show had a very different layout. If you go back and listen to the first couple of episodes of that, it's a way different layout because it's like news. Then there's a break in there called the seventh inning stretch, which immediately was killed like four or five episodes in because it just didn't mess with the flow. Yeah. And so in that like kind of stretch period, we talked about the Super Bowl. So that, it was probably the last week of January, if I remember right. So yeah, that's kind of how we got there. Very long-winded, but as we say uh, on the podcast, it's a damn good show, and sometimes we go on tangents, so we're going to have some tangents today. I mean, first of all, I'm just trying to think. It's a it's a fairly long story, but it's a fairly long journey to get there, so that's, I feel yeah. like, completely acceptable. Yeah. Um, that's I do think there was, I think you and I had a similar feeling when we sort of investigated the indie ball sort of media market and had that sort of John Travolta meme sort of yeah. vibe, just looking around like, okay, I guess so. Yeah. Like, 
as I started ALB Roundup, I had this moment of I kept expecting somebody to be like, no, that's not how you do it. And everyone was just like, oh, someone's doing that. Fascinating. And like it was uh, oddly emboldening and probably like a very dangerous manner. But I I'm glad that's the direction I went in and not some of the other ones I've thought about over time, because I even think like covering minor league baseball, you have to have like understanding of like prospects and prospect development and the way teams develop. Like now I got to know who your development coordinator is like, come on, what are we doing? Yeah, that and also if you want to try and get access to anybody, it's an uphill battle because you're not just going with like the team itself or the player. You got to go through the parent organization and they're going to be like, why am I going to give access to some dude that's literally started a Twitter account two months ago and has 200 followers? Why am I going to do that? That's... But meanwhile, on the indie ball side, it's like, hey, can I interview so-and-so? And like, oh, yeah, sure. When do you want to do it? We'll set it yeah. up. And like most of the players, are like, oh, cool, you want to interview me? Cool, which is yeah. great. That's why I love any ball. Like, yeah, it's not access is know. fantastic, and the teams are great about it too. Like, I can't ever remember a team telling me no. To be quite honest, like sometimes they're like wait on it, or like there's a caveat attached to it, but there's a, it's seldom ever a no. Yeah, I see. Again, I haven't done too many interviews. Really, the one I did was Josh Sala, which is not bad, not bad yet, yeah, but. Uh, that one, I mean, I think Gastonia was just like, yeah, we want to be on the call too. Cause I think, you know, especially yeah. with Josh, you go a few directions. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, like at least when it comes to, like access and talking, for the most part, yeah. like even just getting information, for the most part, they've been pretty good. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I did, but, they're definitely good. Like if I can go on like one other tangent before we go on to another question or something, uh, you're just I, going on to a different tangent if we're honest. So it's fine. All right. So yeah. I remember like the first year we were doing it, it was like end of the summer of 19. And remember, I'm not sure you remember, but the Ottawa champions, Can-Am League team, they got thrown out of their stadium because they didn't pay the rent. Right. And I remember when I saw that break, I legitimately was like, I'm going to try to actually live up to the name report. Because at first, my goal was just like, oh, we'll just be an amalgamator. We'll just find stories from around and we'll present them and talk about them. You know, just kind of like an ESPN show or something for Indie Ball. That was really the main goal because like, that's what I'm most qualified for. I don't have connections or anything like that. Since then, obviously, we've kind of like melded into going into different things. But anyway, to the point of the story. So I started just emailing like the team. I emailed like the city of Ottawa, fully expect them to ignore my email. The city of Ottawa got back to me in about 45 minutes, sent me like everything they had. We're like, here you go. You can look at it if you want. I still have that email. And then like within an hour, I got an email from uh, Ottawa and I was expecting just to be like some low level guy, like a PR guy or something like that. It was the team owner. And you know who the owner of the Ottawa champions was? Who was that? Miles Wolf. That is incredible. Yeah. That like, is. Yeah. At the time I didn't realize how important that was, but I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, I just had like a guy that rightfully belongs in the baseball hall of fame, like respond to my email after only starting a show. Like, six months ago and he took the time to send an email so i like yeah i was just like kind of blown away and at that point i was like maybe i'm doing something here like the numbers will come like just stick with this that is a moment of realization for sure man like yeah. and i guess i realized along the way too like a lot of places are like that i mean we're dealing with fairly like essentially small businesses where like if you yeah. do email asking a question they'll at least view it even yeah. if they choose to ignore it it's not like it's getting lost in like a sea of emails so that helps it, it helps the chances but miles wolf man that is that is what are the odds type of stuff exactly i'm i need to hawk down like because i know a couple people that have his phone i'm gonna talk to him whatnot i need to like start hawking on a bit because i want to get miles on the show because he has a book coming out next month and okay so 
I want to try because I've emailed the publisher a couple of times like, hey, can I get a, like an advanced copy, read it, and then I do a review. And then my thought was like, oh, maybe I can get him on the show because I want that guy on my show so badly. Like that's the top of the mountain for me. Well, I mean, if only a league that was pre-associated with them, you know, yeah. was reaching out to have some sort of partnership, that'd be awesome. Oh, but yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? They might might just have a little in if that were to happen. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that is I, I, you just jog my memory. I didn't even think about this like in a yeah. while. It's been a while, but like yeah. when I started AOP Roundup, I just didn't want to like immediately get in and start making people mad. So I like I, I hit the league and I was like, hey, like uh, this must have been right before probably December 2019. So you see how that was about to go. But uh, I, I reached <laughs> out timing. to Titanic and hit the iceberg yet. Man, like we well, talk about dodging the AAF, the AAF, right? That's what the football yeah. league was. That bullet yeah. of you know three months later they were gone. I mean, starting the podcast and then the season gets canceled four months later was tough. Or the YouTube channel, I guess, the case was. But yeah, yeah, I uh, I called the league office and was because I wanted to ask, like, hey, can I like you know use content and things like that? Am I cool to do that? And I, and I get it. I call and Rick White answered the phone. Oh, I really? Like. Yeah. I was like, and and I just started covering league, so I was like, I crash course like a little bit, but yeah. like I only knew a handful of things, like stuff you can grab from the Wikipedia page and like from like baseball reference. Yeah. And it was like one of three people whose name I could have told you like at the time. And I was just like, uh, okay. Like I just tried to act like I'd expected that to be the conversation, but I had not, man. I'd oh, God. I, he was like I think they were moving the office in Lancaster at the time. And so he was like probably moving boxes and like his phone started ringing. He's like, well, all right, sure. Yeah, man. Shoot your shot. Like, yeah. But. Oh, that, that reminds me. Cause now I got to shoot off of that because I have a Rick White story too. Cause we had him yeah. on the show. I, I emailed back and forth with him to get that done. Yeah. And this is like, if I remember right, Will was still like kind of like transitioning off of doing, you know, PB uh, news. Because right. now he, you know, he's a big time Hofstra guy. Now he does all the games and stuff. He's a big deal in Vegas right now. Actually, like Ooh. when this goes up, assuming it's up before Saturday night, he'll be in Vegas because he's out there doing something with the team. Okay, and that's why we have to. That's why the interview that I'm going to announce at the end of this show is uh, is probably the only thing that's going to be on this week's show. But it's a really good interview, like hey, man. solid one. But any case, uh, yeah, he was like all hyped back because I. I was like, I'm trying to get it done. I'll let you know if it gets done everything. And so then I shot him a text. And I was like, guess who we just got on the show? And he was like, who? I was like, Rick White. So he was like all excited and whatnot. Because I was excited too. Like I should say, I was really excited. I didn't expect him to say, yeah. Because at that point, we had Billy, who if you're a Frontier League guy, you right. know Billy. He was a big time guy. And I love doing that every too. He's a really nice guy. Uh, and then we had Josh Schaub on too, which I got him the day before he announced that the seat that the COVID season was going to happen. That's right. Yeah, he squeezed me and gave me 15 minutes. I was like, why is he Russian? And then the next day that came out, I was like, oh, that's why he was Russian. Building uh, bubbles, man. Exactly. Yeah. So I go ahead. I call Rick at the time. We're supposed to call him. No answer. I was like, okay. So then I called him back again and I left the message like, hey, Rick, you know, we had an interview scheduled for whatever time. Uh, if something came up, just let me know, whatever. And then he called me back an hour like because we're only supposed to have a half hour with him he calls me back an hour later he's like i apologize for missing the call i saw it uh something came up with the league i i'm deeply sorry about it. he was really apologetic but i was like oh no no it's okay i'm happy just to have you so i think because he kind of missed the call he gave us twice as long as we were supposed to have so he gave us an extra half hour on him and we just okay. went for a while and i was like that was a really nice gesture because he was 
like genuinely apologetic about it. I was like, I appreciate just coming on to the show. It makes us more legitimate. You just being here. It's like you don't have anything to apologize for. Like I yeah. have to do. So, yeah. And I'll say the one thing with the LPB roundup for those of you that follow it too, you might know I'm talking about like yeah. things got I, part of the reason I wanted to expand too, is I felt like AOP roundup was getting kind of, it was it was almost like tracking like the fall of the league because they really have had so much go wrong lately. And it's felt like it took like a negative tone, even though like I'd cover the good things, but like there was just so much and like and there's so much like spotlight on the bad stuff and the stuff that wasn't getting spotlight felt like it needed spotlight. So yeah, yeah I the one thing I really am bothered by is I think Rick probably. I know, I know that Rick is not a fan, and that's a bummer. Yeah, same thing. I mean, like, I felt bad reporting on a lot of that stuff half the time because I was like, I really don't want to, but it's happening. I can't change what the story is. Like, if that's what it is, I have no other choice. Like, I could try and be like, hey, you know, they could still fix it, but like, after saying that once or twice, it's like, well we don't have enough to go off to say it's going to get better until it actually changes. That's uh, yeah. it's still a very well-ran league for the most part. I mean, there's definitely problems with it, no doubt. And the communication could be better not to turn this into a rag on the Atlantic league fest, but and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Here's where they started to get annoyed. But I mean, frankly, they're probably looking at their watch like, Oh, it took 10 minutes. That's longer than we thought. Not bad. Exactly. I'm pretty, I'm happy with my restraint, but like there's still an awful lot of positives to take away from the league. Like it's still like either it's a 1A, 1B type situation with the American Association. And I'm not sure it's a situation where they got worse or just everybody else got better. Cause I could see it being both ways, you know, like definitely both. Honestly, what I think was the worst thing was doing the rules thing because, Yeah. yeah, it got you more attention. But I remember when the like that first like rules partnership dropped because I was sitting in my class because it was February of 2019. So I was sitting in a uh, Caldwell University classroom. I think it was like some sort of media responsibility class where it's more or less like this is what the job of the media is, you know, yada, yada, yada mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I was sitting in class and I was like, I don't care about today. And I'm like on my phone like this and I'm on Twitter like kind of tucking it behind the person there i was like atlantic league makes partnership with major league baseball i was like what the hell is this so like i'm clicking and i'm reading it now like i'm looking like frantic like at the clock i was like everyone could kind of see that i'm looking at the clock and waiting to get out of here just to record this but yeah i remember when that happened i was like this could go one of two ways and unfortunately i think it went the way of major league baseball started using a lot of control on it and the atlantic league was like oh well having the the logo of Major League Baseball and association will help us. And yeah, I got thoughts because there was so yeah. much that went sideways there. That was first. I mean, I get the idea of like, well, it will be all publicity is good publicity. I'm like, well, that's not necessarily true for getting good players in, but I understand if that's not your priority. The priority yeah. was getting, you know, fans in and 95% of fans is usually the number thrown around. They're casuals. They'll go to the game. They don't know the players. And, yeah. Five percent are the intense ones, and the one I didn't get was you're turning off the five percent for the most part of like yeah. the really intense baseball fans. Not all of them; some of them are into it, some of them just want to see it. But a good bit of them are like, "Is this real baseball? What are we doing?" Especially if there's an alternative in the market. Yeah. And then the the casual fans they don't know. 
Hmm. Like you can try to advertise it all you want, but like they don't care. Like, is maybe one in how many people be like, oh, isn't that the team with like the weird rule thing? And yeah. half of and then like even that is varied even further of like how people will respond to that to be like, uh, never mind, or to be like, oh yeah, let's go see that. But even still, if you're not a big baseball fan, I don't know who's gonna go see it. And yeah, like then that's... MLB stamping that logo on, I'm like a huge chunk of your teams just got broken up with by major league baseball stop doing this uh, it yeah i mean that's kind of like take a look at the picture of this girl i'm dating i know you used to date her too but like take a look at this it's that's a great exactly, point like that's great i don't want to see that right now i'm in the middle of demolishing this hagen Doss. this try and forget that you know it's Is that your move okay good to know yeah. Hey, everybody has to have one thing. I like Turkey Hill personally, but you know that's that's Turkey a matter. Hill? Okay, at least you can say like Briars. Don't get me started. Oh, no, not Briars. No. no, no. The good stuff is Welsh Farms. If you can get Welsh Farms, that's where it is. See, is that more regional? Is that just like a a north? Yeah, Jersey? it might be. It might be. Okay, they used to be big. Like they used to be, and then I kind of died down. I remember it more as a kid, but like Welsh Farms mint chocolate chip was like, it was like the Courtney Hawkins of ice cream. So I independent, not making the big bucks, but like everybody in that circle is like, oh, that's the big dog. Yeah. I like, see what you went for. Very nicely done. Exactly. Like that. Maybe the better comparison would be like the Adam Brett Walker of it, where it's like it's good. And now it's starting to get attention and acknowledgement elsewhere. OK. I mean, Hawkins going to Japan, man. Count it. Yeah, true. But I mean, right now we got Adam Brett Walker was in what was the uh, MPB All-Star. I think it was like true. the I think it's like the first first year foreign player to be an all-star in MPB in like it was some crazy amount of time. I want to say like 30 years, but I'm not confident enough to say that like definitively. Yeah. But I remember seeing the stat of that. I was like, hell yeah. It's a hell of a run, man. This stat line coming over there was crazy. Yeah. And the thing is too, he did it for two years in a row. Yeah. That's what really got me. Like the first one, like even his 19 season wasn't bad, but it was clear, like, okay, he's a power dude. That was mm-hmm. his thing. Then, like, 20, you're like, oh, well, he's only playing against, like, the same five teams, and it's a COVID year. So, yeah. like, there's reasons you could doubt it, but it was a solid year, no doubt MVP year. And then in 21, it was like, oh, no way. He actually – he is him. That That's what that is. That, that's what the situation is. He's 100% dog. Got you. Got you. I'm thinking about it. I wonder if that – because I feel like some guys did, but not, like – I don't know. You didn't see – teams over there really firing that shot at yeah. indie ball guys very frequently i wonder if that sort of encouraged and gave sort of the a bump ahead to trying to get hawkins in there you know what i mean like if you know you can pull a guy from the american indie leagues and they can perform like that i wonder i i'm willing to wager like the top of the line guys like the guy i wish would have gotten like a real shot over there if we're going back like way back in the day like a Jimmy Hurst would have, I thought, done great in Japan. Okay. Lone, what was it? Lone uh, Triple Crown winner in Atlantic League history, I think 2002 so. with the Newark Bears, if I'm not mistaken. The Newark Bears. Yeah, the Newark Bears <laughs> who have the NJ Transit sign for their stadium still up, despite the stadium being currently a pile of rubble about to be redeveloped into office buildings and condos. It's a tough scene. Yeah, it is. It was very depressing when I drove by that not that long ago, going to see it in Hall of Law. I was like, hey, like the sign's still there. I was like, oh, you like the stadium isn't there. Bro, if you want to talk about depressing, my trip to Atlantic City was rough. I mean, I know that has been, that is a sentence that's been said by millions of Americans at this point. Many I understand. Different reasons. There are so many different reasons. Uh, I don't so many, many generations. 
because they walk through an abandoned baseball stadium. But oh god, I was fully on board with the like, let's try to bring Atlantic City back. Yeah. But dude, that thing needs. I would. I. It might Man, need really twenty million. Up. It might need twenty million dollars of work. Which at that point, it's cheaper to just build a new, new stadium. stadium. Just like. Because if it's yeah. not cheaper, it's like what another five million, which I know I'm saying like it's only an extra twenty percent of what your budget would be. But if you're shelling out that kind of money, but even still, yeah. like the the amount to buy a team right now is less than half that. I, I for the yeah. most part, I figure I'm not the one signing the checks, but from what I know, that seems to be what we're looking at. And, and just to just have to drop that much money, you'll have to get the the city involved, and I don't know who the city is exactly balling. Oh, like, no, and the city's currently trying to redevelop that property. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, you still got the, the abandoned airport next to it, which is kind of a weird vibe too. Yeah, cool in a way. Yeah, like yeah, that's the thing too. Like, I really like the idea of Atlantic City, and a lot of people I talk to like the idea of Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. But I always come down to, I'm never a hundred percent sold on tourist destination type things like Atlantic City. And when I think of Atlantic City, obviously, what come kind of comes to mind is like gambling first and foremost mm-hmm. and then it's more adult entertainment you know even things just like music festivals which is like two or three they're supposed to be in ac this year like that's not a family vibe it's yeah. just not there's other places on the shore if you want to do that that would make way more sense to put a team there than atlantic city would be it's just kind of like that's the biggest area around it so let's put it there and meanwhile i'm thinking like if i'm looking i'm like if I had to pick a place to put it, like you're better off either moving it up closer. And I'm about to drop some Jersey geography here. So half the audience is about to be All like, right. where is that even? So it's well, fine. Do it up. I'm yeah. just going to sit back. All right. So like Atlantic City's pretty far down. It's like a solid clip. It's definitely would be in the, the more Philly area than the New York area. But if you were to go from Monmouth County, which is kind of like the part that juts out and down a little bit there, you start to get to the top of Ocean County as opposed to Atlantic County, which obviously Atlantic City's in. So Ocean County is going to be far better because you have things like um, Seaside, both Heights and uh, what's the other one? It's Heights and Junction, I think. And that'd be the Jersey Shore people. They're all there. And yes, there's a house there. Yes, it gets a bunch of drunk tourists. And yes, nobody likes it. So that's a couple of things to really <laughs> check there. You have to check it. And also, as a New Jersey, and I have mm-hmm. okay to say only one of them was from New Jersey. The rest are from New York and Staten Island. That's and a fair line to draw. That's a fair line to draw. Like, we can go ahead and create our own stereotype. We don't need their help. Uh, so that's something that's very important. Uh, so you'd have that. You have Point Pleasant. You have a couple other, like, smaller towns like a Brielle, a bunch of shores that call themselves towns, but they're not real towns. They're just beaches that have people on it. That, that's what it is. They're like, I'm in Ortley. It's like, technically, you're part of Tom's River. So, like, you just don't want to say I'm in Tom's River. And I understand that. I wouldn't either. But, like, <laughs> so like I get it. You want to be like, I'm in Ortley. It's like, okay, cool. Whatever you say. Like, Lavalette's a real town. Just say Lavalette. Just, it's a lot easier. It's basically the same thing, dude. Uh, that or Brielle, I'm be like, oh, so you have a lot of money because you have a big-ass house in Brielle. Because if you drive through Brielle, you'll know exactly what I mean. Look it up on Google. You'll see exactly. That's not important. But, like, you could put a team up there, and you'd have a lot of, like, uh, shore people, a lot of vacation or stuff like that. There, It's right there, and people will actually go to it. If you wanted to put it closer to where Atlantic City is, still going to be, like, 90 minutes away from it. But you could put down towards, like, Cape May. And I'd like that idea way more because a major vacation hub, way more families, 
admittedly they're going to say there's stuff to do there's a lot a lot of stuff to do there. <laughs> i'll be i'll be bluntly honest there's not a lot and the closest baseball team there if you're in cape may i believe would be the wilmington blue rocks yeah i do think you're right on that one not very far yeah so it's not exactly the kind of thing you're doing if you're vacationing there or if you're in like say rehoboth beach or something like that you're probably not liable to go to wilmington or if you're in rehoboth uh, there may be a Maryland team like Delmarva that may be slightly closer, but it'd still be kind of a pain. It's not the kind of thing you're doing yeah. at night. But if you tell me, oh, I'm in Rehope, I could just drive up to lose, take the ferry across, see a baseball game, spend the day in Cape May, and then just come back when it's done, you absolutely could. And in theory, because it's going to be hot during the day, you could probably have a lot of like either day games because you're going to have families that are going to be looking mm -hmm. for something to do during the day or you could probably have like a four o'clock start on a handful of days like i like the idea of cape may way more than i like the idea of an atlantic city just because it's in a better spot and you're hitting more of your demographic i mean like let's be real how many casino people are going to be like i gotta step away from the table so that way i could go see a surf game right yeah and how many people are also gonna be like i gotta take my kids to atlantic city exactly that's that's where i'm at there so like I like the idea of it. I think there should be a shore team there because really the only Jersey shore team would be, and I refuse to call them Jersey shore, but the Lakewood blue, blue crab claw. I understand the rebrand there. Yeah. Like I get it too. Like I get it, but it's like, I'm still calling them Lakewood. Fair. So like, that's the only one there. So like, I genuinely think it can work because Lakewood's not particularly near the, the coast at all, but it's at the same point in time, Atlantic city's not, not it. Yeah, no, I agree. I was, yeah. Knowing Atlantic City and spending time in Atlantic City yeah. previously, it was my first time there about probably since pre-COVID. Yeah. And even I was like kind of blown away by mm -hmm. how not well things are going. If yeah. I'm going to phrase it that way, which I guess I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was really, yeah, I went in like, oh, I'm going to take some pictures and sort of like lean into that whole like, yo, like come back to Atlantic City thing. But it's funny you mentioned Cape May. Uh, my yeah. wife, her family yeah. had a house over in uh, Lewis, and even I call Lewis constantly because I don't care. And yeah. um, mainly because I don't respect Southern Delaware. But um, fair enough, fair point. Yeah, it, I said what I, if I have, it, it doesn't make sense. It takes me so long to drive through your state. Just make a straight road. I don't understand. But anyway, um, to the point. Yeah. Uh, but I have literally thought like this is, I've looked for a game that we could go to on like. A, yeah. a day where you know we didn't necessarily want to go to the beach because it was like kind of not a great beach day yeah and like it's it was like hours it was hours to go to anywhere yeah. and i'm just thinking like unless you're going all the way up to wilmington and i i think that you might be on something there i actually like that vibe yeah like but, it's, it'd be just tough to find the land to build it on like that's really your challenge is yes instructing you exactly and, right and like i understand too like if i was spending millions of dollars on it the lack of a year-round resident base would be concerning to me but at the same point in time hey i'd just be throwing the atlantic league out because mm -hmm. we're not slandering them yet but uh the frontier league though does work and with oh man i want to reference the one interview we did because the one guy we talked to he was like we like the frontier league because of its start date it's similar and i like that approach to it where it's like okay we could start realistically on the road for a week, you know, for that mid-May start date and either just do a New Jersey, New York swing or do our Western swing, get it out of the way early, swing back around for Memorial Day weekend, right yep. when everybody flocks there and make that our opening weekend. Yep. And you would rake in money opening weekend on top of it. 
So realistically, if my concern is pretty much like, let's say May 15th through like September 15th, I feel pretty good about that. Like if that's really, those are my prime operation dates. Especially if you can wrap up like right at Labor Day, basically. Yeah, like that's pretty much when they're done. Yeah, I mean, like you'd be concerned about playoff attendance, but I mean. No I'm one's going to really move playoff attendance tickets. Like it, it is yeah. what it is. Exactly. It rolls. Like I have a sad, if I could say just like going to the Rockland game or New York game, I guess they're still Rockland, but I respect it. Yeah. Rockland Boulder sounds way better than New York Boulders. I get the change. I understand it, especially with the expanded thing. People can be like, where's Rockland? What's Rockland? It's like, it's a County that's basically New Jersey. Don't worry about it. But, uh, like going to that game, I like, <laughs> The Boulders did a fantastic job with uh, the presentation. They, they had a high school marching band go through the concourse and on the field, like as a hype squad. They had like giveaways. They did everything they could do to create a fun environment. And I looked around and I was like, not even a thousand. And I was like, so sad. And at the same point, though, it was like midweek. And it was mm-hmm. kind of cold and overcast, and I like got it. And they're playing Ottawa too, so like yeah. it wasn't great. Although I was sitting in the section with all the Ottawa parents that came, and I was just like, "Yeah, I, actually, I had AJ Wright's family behind me." I was like, <laughs> "Keep cheering for AJ Wright," and then it caught on. And uh, Freddie was pulling his usual BS too. If uh, second base, there was a yeah. close play, and he gunned the dude for slamming his helmet. And I was like, "Freddie, it's a playoff game. Don't gun him for that." Yeah, seriously, you want that intensity. Exactly. Um, oh, man. Okay, that's... Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just so hard. Like, even the teams are, like, selling those things since, like, the f- winning the first half, if you do two halves, still have trouble moving those tickets, man. Like... I, I hate I, the half system. I know. I know. I mean, yeah, I know. I don't like it either. But part yeah. of me also wonders if it's, like... Because I've never thought about this angle, too. I do wonder sometimes if it's something the teams like because if you do win it the first half you have the chance to sell tickets so at least two of your teams have a shot to sell good tickets to a game but i i was this i don't want to be super negative here on this but like you know my feelings on like how a lot of teams do their marketing the Mm. problem with and this sounds like rockland or new york shade but it's not it's just because they're the example i love i love what you're telling me about like what they did the giveaways the the band all that yeah the problem is if you went, that's probably not what you're expecting because that's not what they do every day. Like yeah. if you deliver that level every day, people know. And when you're like, hey, we got another game next week now. Like I know we just made it. Like now there's a games. I know it's a midweek. I know weather's just okay. But like it increases the number of people who are like, yeah, man, like I'll go to that. Instead of I'm going out to just sit in the cold at a baseball game. I, it's, I'm going out in the cold to like sit at a baseball game with this like very entertaining environment with all the stuff that you can get and all the giveaways and all that. And I think that's the problem. I understand why teams tend to, it it takes money it takes effort and those are, and time. And those are all the things that these teams are short on. And I feel that, and I understand that, but it's, I think that is why, you know, these, it's just such a struggle, man. The value isn't clear. Yeah. What, what I will be say though, or what to be fair to, uh, to New York, they normally do put on a good presentation. Like, I will say, going to those games, they're usually pretty packed here. Like, their concourse area isn't great because of the way their concession stuff stand up. They kind of back everything up. Like, I'm not sure if you've been to what I think is 
It used to be Palisades Credit Union Park, but now I think it's like Clover Park or something like that. I, I have not. However, I definitely plan to be there, so I will definitely be making When you do, let me know. I'll go up with you. And actually, all right. Yeah, all actually, right. we're supposed to get one guy up there. I went into the press box and met all the guys last time I was up there, too. So nice, nice group. But yeah, any case, yeah, it's normally pretty packed, and they normally do a pretty good job keeping engaged. They have like their hit the Mercedes star, win the Mercedes car type promotion, too, which mm-hmm. I've seen that happen in person. Too. I was like, oh. With the nice mercedes there but yeah they have that they used to do a thing where like in the eighth inning because you know how concession sales are basically done at that point and they'd still have some hot dogs left over they'd start throwing hot dogs into the crowd for people uh there is that they have a lot of the inner in inning entertainment they have a dog that runs around too plus what's kind of nice is they have two bullpen type setup for uh for the home side so you have the typical kind of like usual indie ball set where it's basically in foul ground yeah that type of setup but then there's also kind of a pitching academy that goes directly up from there so you there's an indoor setting if you want to as a pitcher work on that for the first part of the game so sometimes you'll catch guys kind of walking around the concourse too so i'd like that setup it's a yeah. wrap around course wrap around uh, concourse they have uh kind of a truck that they park to like kind of vendor trucks normally it's a pizza oven truck and then like uh, some sort of kosher truck too uh then they have the rotating concession one that's down right field line i want to say over by the mini golf thing that they have yeah they oh, have yeah, a mini golf thing too Fivey. okay yeah, they got a bunch of stuff like it's honestly a good environment it's a really cool kind of vibe there it just gets kind of annoying sometimes because i that's my one knock is it gets annoying because you have a lot of parents up there that choose not to parent so you have a bunch of like seven and eight year old kids just kind of running around the concourse and kicking the back of seats and whatnot. Now, for me, this is no longer an issue because I'll just walk into the press box and watch from up there. Flex, okay. Yeah, yeah. But like, like I could see if it's like the day game too. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Day game end of summer when all the kids are back from summer camp. Yeah. Although they normally do, I will say second half though. If you go. I've had this happen a couple times. They'll give you free ticket vouchers. So no way. <laughs> yeah, they get you back there. And honestly, I love that strategy too because how much are you really losing on the ticket sale? Your sure. money's made once they're in the door. Because once they're there, especially with a the family, they're buying a souvenir, they're buying right. a drink, they're buying some sort of food, they're buying stuff, and that's where your money is. They're buying fifty fifties. The ticket's great. The ticket's important. I'm not going to like disparage mm-hmm. ticket sales. It's very important, but. The big money is like concessions and alcohol and things like that. That's where your money is. So, hey. I've worked community affairs at a minor league team and now an indie ball team. Like, yeah. you can ask anybody. My strategy is always sling tickets. Like, if odds are there, if the option, okay, a small percentage of the people who get those tickets are using the meta game they would have paid for anyway. Okay, take that out. A lot of them would not have gone to a game anyway. And now they're in, sure, for free, but they did they pay for parking if you have to pay for parking? Do yeah, they pay for the concessions? Do they pay? Oh, man, like every team knows exactly how much they get on average from one fan walking in the door after the ticket sale. So, I mean, I, I remember it was like, I've been somewhere with like 23 to $25. It's like, that's 23, $25 per person you would not have had. You're kidding. Like you should be just, firing tickets out there like if you see i was always a fan of if you see an address that hasn't shown up to your ballpark or like you haven't seen them come through the online system in a number of years tickets 
send them, see what happens. They might come back. Like worst case scenario is they don't use them and oops, those seats were empty either way. So like, or uh, like you know? what's a perfect example last year, I bought a Rockland package. That's why I'm talking about them a lot. And it was like, I think I paid Boy, they get their money's worth out of you too. Yeah, really. They nice. do. Score. Yeah. Got marketing. It was like 65 bucks. I paid for it. And I got four opening day tickets, four hot dog, four soda voucher, plus another four tickets to there were anytime tickets and then they toss in another couple like free midweek tickets too and then i think it was like twenty dollars or ten dollars some if that were a percentage off in the team store thing plus a hat like for mm-hmm. 70 bucks 60 bucks like that's a great deal and like yeah. that got me to go to games i otherwise probably wouldn't have went to and the free ticket giveaway thing like you're saying i think honestly while I probably still would have went to some games, I was able to get other people that weren't going to go to those games to go with me. You right, know? exactly. Or if you have one or two people. I was like, hey, I got some extra tickets if you guys want to come up. Like, hey, you drive or pay for parking and like, I'll give you the ticket. I don't care. Like, And I think about the number of ways that I can pay off, like weird things. Like, okay, what if one of those people isn't coming back? But then one of their two years later, someone around them is like, oh, thinking about going to a game. And they go, oh, it was a good time. Oh like, yeah, that sell like they're like okay, then I'm going. Cool. Like yeah. I was already thinking about like so. There's no downside, man. But I word, I don't know. That is yeah. that and like such like a core thing in my beliefs of just like free know, tickets are always a good thing. Too. Targeting the kids is so like important. Mm-hmm. Like if you can get like those 10, 11, 12 year olds in like five, six years from now when they have like some sort of like disposable income from some like entry level job, like working at Target or something, they're gonna be looking for stuff to do. Yeah. And baseball and baseball games are like so easy as things to do, especially Mm -hmm. if like you're 18, you can't really go out yet. Like you can go out, but like you can't really go out. Yeah. Baseball is a perfect opportunity for that. Like that, like I spent a lot of time just being an idiot with my friends at a ballpark. Like (laughs) you can get, you can get people in for that. Like it legit is a thing. So like I just, it starts early on. You got to keep the faith on it. That's just the thing. And I think a lot of teams, they kind of like pull out before they see the return on investment because it takes too much time. And I understand like you can't be waiting for forever. It's a business at the end of the day. Like there's an acceptable amount of loss that you could have over a period mm-hmm. of time. I get it. Like I totally do. But you have to give some time for an idea to breathe before you can declare it dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And here's a weird one that I've picked up in front offices before. It's. Yeah there's a weird dynamic where the sales because if you talk about like for the most part if sale everyone's looking at ticket sales and ticket sales aren't good like salespeople can lose their job like it's serious and i i always found it interesting because you know if ticket sales aren't great the number one thing is like well like we're giving because we're giving away so many tickets or because you know the marketing is not good which again i'm not going to get into the dynamics of the finger pointing but i see how then it happens of like well i mean they're saying it's because it it, there's yeah it's so easy to scapegoat too and it's so easy to get rid of and then all of a sudden you wonder why like nothing is changing it's because you haven't changed anything but yeah that's a bigger conversation for another day if i'm honest but um man i had so much stuff to get to in this and we have just like shot the shit that's this is okay, why though. you can't bring me on because no, just I know I, I've been on yours enough. Really I should know too. this. We've never accomplished anything, which That's is fine. Nice. We've made some people mad, I think. So that counts. Not today. We've done well today. I think I we mean, we've both annoyed the same photographer. So, that's yeah, cool. we have facts. Yeah, have you seen, has he threatened to sue you too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, good, good. So, right. I'm and like, alone so, and to the thing too, like. It was because I, I used a photo that was his. I didn't know it was his. That's on me. Like, I didn't Same see boat. 
I didn't see anything. And like, I'm happy to like, yo, like, all right, I'll backtrack. All good. And, but it's just like to lead with a lawsuit threat is a choice. And then I got like bonus trouble because I didn't take something else down. And I was like, I literally did not know that was even the same picture. Like I, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't I get in trouble using myself. the same picture. I cut out the player in the picture. That's what I got in trouble for. I'm gonna have a full blown ADD moment here, bro. Yeah. You because you've been to more Frontier League games than me. Um, because yeah. I've been to one, two, two. Um, New Jersey Jackals. Yeah. Worst attendance in indie ball last in the partner leagues last year. Is that possible? Oh, oh yeah, definitely possible. Wow. Absolutely. They're because saying a thousand twenty two people per game. That sounds high, actually. Yeah, I was um, wondering. Yeah, so Dang. here's the thing about the Jackals. I don't want to slander them because I already think they're not exactly thrilled that I broke their move to Hinchcliffe in about 90 minutes. Uh, Fair enough, but which, I mean... I, was like, on the show, have... I said, I feel bad doing this because I know it's a big thing here, but if I don't do it, somebody else is, and I'm going to do it before somebody else does. That's where I tend to figure out my stuff, too. I'm with you. Yeah, it's like... I'm not going to give you the heads up either because it's like, you know, but it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to tease. I know it. So that way it's like, you can get ready. Cause if you're in the organization, you know what the big news is. And I say something big is coming from this organization. It's like, you should know exactly yeah. what I'm saying before right. I say it. So you, I'm giving you like a couple hours to sometimes a full day or two of lead time on this. Mm-hmm. So like, Pay attention, okay? Like that—that's all I'm asking. Like, pay attention, map a plan, and then go from there. But yeah, that—that that was actually funny. Like, I saw at eight thirty, like, oh, they're moving at nine o'clock. I was like, oh, they're going to Hinchcliffe. I was like, oh, thanks, man. From <laughs> the guy that uh, gives me that by Jackal stuff. But uh, <laughs> any case, yeah, I got like two or three guys for Jackal stuff. But that's not here to As far as Jackal attendance goes, try and keep it on focus. Uh, what the problem is is Yogi Bear Stadium is. I'm trying to figure out the polite way to say broken in a shithole. Um, That's so all right. It's dilapidated and needs some love, I think is the proper way of phrasing that. Okay. Um, because it hasn't really been touched since 1998 when it first opened. So naturally, when you have a 25-year-old stadium that you don't do any work with, that you have a hostile relationship with the ownership group of said stadium, which would be the university itself, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to be exactly easy to do a lot of work. Now, when, I will say when Al Dorso bought the team and he did his like little kind of mid-season rebrand and got us a cooler looking Jackal than the cartoony looking Wiley Coyote Jackal, uh, <laughs> next year he put in a brand new scoreboard and Dactronic board, which was a nice board. But even still, like if you walk around there, which you still can for Montclair State games, I think to D3, um, but you can walk around there and you'll see exactly what I mean. Like, okay. The concessions aren't great. There's no real fan activity area. There's a picnic area where sometimes they'll put up like a giant inflatable slide or something like that, but it's not really there. It's not a wraparound. The concourse is multi-layered, but you have to walk down into it. So it's almost like you're walking pit type of thing. Yeah, I feel you. And technically speaking, because if you're a university student on the campus there, you could, in theory, just stand on top of the staircase without going into the stadium and be able to watch the game pretty much fine. Hmm. So there's yeah. that. The only time I will say that they drew really well in was if there was a big name coming through, like when Todd Frazier did his like kind of I'm getting ready for the Olympics stint. Yeah, that was good. At first, when Alfredo Marte was there, I mean, he stayed there for the whole time, but like he drew some names a little bit and Thirsty Thursday, which yeah, um, famously I mentioned we have some crossover in audience. So you'll yes. remember when I talked about this and if not, 
uh, when would it have been probably July or August of 21? That's generally your way. Go to the website, anybarreport.com. Go to the episodes tab, episodes of 2021. Scroll down towards the end. You'll find nice it. Nice plug, by the way. Well, we're. I know. I'm good at this. I got good over, over four years of doing it. You get good. <laughs> you get good or you get left behind. And I'm kind of like on the side of the road running after the bus. But that's hey, not. Hey, it's something. Exactly. And so it created some problems that actually made like major local news, like our PIX affiliate. It mm -hmm. made CBS affiliate. And so it's just like, if you're making that the New York market, there's a problem here. Yeah. And I will say, like I talked to people from in the organization and outside of it, cause it was the miners involved in the tip of minor people were like, I can't believe this. We had a player that nearly got into a fist fight in the damn stands because they kept throwing beer on us. It was totally, you know, out of control. The Jackal people, and I won't name names, but they were like, it was great. We got so much publicity out of this. And like, we did great numbers. And I'm thinking like, guys, you put Thirsty Thursday and Barstool as class was getting back in session together all at the same time. You knew the kind of shit show that was yep. going to come in. Mm -hmm. And if I remember right, they had just their regular security which is really two off-duty Wayne cops. Yeah, that's about and right. And it's like, normally it's fine because you have yeah. less than like 1,500 people. So it's like, oh yeah, they can handle this and nothing ever really happens. It's like maybe a, a shouting match every once in a while. But when you have like, that was a big attendance. I think it was like 3,000 or something like that. 3,000 mainly now sauced college students. Mm -hmm. it's something was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So those would draw well. And I imagine that's what's bringing up the attendance. Because I know like the last home game that we went to was a Thursday, Thursday line. I posted pictures of this thing. It was easily 150 deep. I spent four, maybe five innings in that damn line. And it got to the point where they almost that's ran right. out of beer. Yeah. They almost ran out. And like they got to the point where like the cheap kegs, they were wheeling those things out because they were empty. So me and my friends were getting like craft beers for the dollar price. Ooh. And they didn't bother, like, they had you do, like, the wristband Ooh. thing. So they just see the wristband. Yeah. You just tell them, like, yeah, give me 10. They just pour the 10, take your $10, no. and go. That was how they That's were running. That's not how you're supposed panic. to do that. They were out all. of food, too. So you were now getting to the point where you had people that were waiting in line. They were hungry because they were waiting in the line. They had no food to eat while they were drinking. So I was amazed it didn't turn out worse. Hell, I saw one dude have to literally carry off all the beer he bought in, like, you know, like the copy paper boxes? Yes. The lids for those? Yeah. He carried it off in that. Let's go. Like, one dude just got a picture, and I was like, that's an option? I didn't realize <laughs> that was a choice. <laughs> like, I was like, clipping for that, like 10 bucks. <laughs> like, but yeah, like, it was getting out of, I was like, watching this, and I was like, man, I feel sorry, A, for anyone standing in this line for food. Mm. and b i was like i'm not sure the other stands better but like at a certain point it's like i've been in this for so long i'm not gonna change right. it it just speaks to more or less the issue i was like thirsty thursday when montclair state was in session did great regular thirsty thursday did pretty good everything else mm, you see it once and you cut and after 25 years everyone's seen it once fair enough i gotta say nick as yeah. i should have known and i'm not surprised by we have not gotten to anything that we meant to get to. I've got about three minutes left, so I'm going to give you the floor right back because I feel like Correct. you have a little announcement to make as you've teased here. I do, and I appreciate you having me on, and we'll have to do it again soon. I'm so, so happy to have you, man. The topics because, like, I want to talk about my crazy idea of doing in-season tournaments and like 
a winning percentage based postseason. Like I had a bunch of crazy ideas that I want to get to. Man, I got this is perfect. We're just gonna have maybe we'll just do a live stream and then just throw we it out there. We should. Yeah. All right, pocket okay. that idea. Okay, but uh, yeah, so I've been teasing for a while for like over a week now that like we had a big interview on, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna announce on Ryan's show because it's gonna be pretty cool and gonna be pretty fun. I appreciate that. And so we have two interviews that we did on Monday. So they're both from Tri City, so you okay. may be able to see where this is going. The sure. first was with uh, their vice president, general manager Matt Callahan, and Matt set up both of them. So I really appreciate him doing it because the other one we have, and Matt's interview was really good too. Because I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, you know, it's not, I get you, yeah, yeah. But the other one was just like an all timer, probably. It was Will's favorite by far, and he, like as soon as we got off, we were like, that was really good. For me, it's probably like number, probably number two, number three. So it's the top three all-time really type. So Matt Callahan's is really good. We talk a lot about, you know, switching from affiliated to unaffiliated, the business end of it. And earlier when I said, like, I'd like it because of the start period. That's why I prefer Frontier to Atlantic. He touches on that as to why he went Frontier versus Atlantic. We get into that. So that's a really fun one. That's going to be next week's one because that's about 42, right. 43 minutes. So I can't put them both together. It'd just be too long. But the one you're going to hear this week, which this is coming out on Friday, right? Yes. Okay, so I'll be out tomorrow then, Saturday, okay. is uh, we got about 40 or 52 minutes. I still have to edit it down to get the exact time, but it's about 50 minutes long with uh, longtime independent manager and current Valley Cat manager, Pete Incavelia. Okay, nicely so done. We go all in on a lot of like what he looks for in a player. He talks a lot about like Kumar Rocker and that whole experience. Oh my gosh, we right. really get into the weeds on it. We talk about like scouting and what makes a player he goes really in like he talks a lot about Brantley Bell's story and like how okay. the kind of player he is and what it took to really unlock that potential there. And we talk an awful lot about it and we could have went on for like another two or three hours. We had these two interviews back to back. So I had to cut him off. He did this interview. While I was driving, driving to Arizona to take a look at a Royals prospect camp. That's hilarious. So, yeah. It was like the most after way we could do it. And it's a, it's a really fun interview. It's a really great interview. And like, if you, if you like getting into the weeds on baseball, Pete both has done it as a manager and also when you play like 1,200 major league baseball games mm -hmm. over 12 years, plus Mexico and Japan, like he's a he's an authority on it. He's one of the very few guys to go from college right to major league ball, too. One of the best college players of all time, too. He right. hit 468 with 46 home runs, I believe it was, and like 168 RBIs in 70 games. His junior year of college. Dang, dude. That's impressive recall. One of, if not the best seasons in collegiate baseball history. So, really great interview. Really appreciate it. So, I'm looking forward to you guys hearing that one. So, yeah. I also, my favorite player to score run at 4 a.m., I believe. Uh, oh, especially yeah? Mitch Williams knocked him in. A oh, bit of oh, yeah, weird Phillies trivia. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, there, it, he'll always have a direct line because of the little kid in me that was watching like old VHSs of, yeah. you know, Phillies yearbooks and watching that. So that was my introduction was Harry Callis freaking out as he scored. But that is awesome. I'm excited. I'm going to make sure I link everything down in the notes under, or I guess the description on YouTube and in the notes on the podcast platforms. But yeah. Nick, my man, it was all I thought it would be and so much less because we're not productive, but that's okay. Well, as long as it's entertaining, you don't have to be productive. That's what the Indie Ball Report on all platforms does. I mean, it's sort of just the vibe across the board in the indie ball coverage. So exactly. I'm fine with that. That's what we I do. think we're all okay. Yeah. Hey, man.
All right. I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Of Talk course. Soon. I may not have a lot, but I love what I got. A four by four and a good fishing spot. I hope this time my card won't decline.